Everybody likes listening to podcasts. It's fun, but it's also fun, some might say more fun, to see them in person along with other super fans like you. This October, the Now Hear This Podcast Festival, Anaheim, California, dozens of your favorite public radio comedy storytelling podcasts will all be in one place. It's like Comic-Con for podcasts, a weekend jam-packed with live performances and special events for podcast fans. And tickets are on sale now. Mark Marin will be there conversation with his producer, Brendan McDonald, about their favorite moments and behind-the-scenes stories from WTF, plus live performances of some great podcasts, including Comedy Bang Bang, Lore, Super Ego, and How Did This Get Made? Register today at nowhearthisfest.com. Early bird pricing discount available now, but it ends July 22nd. Be sure to check out the VIP ticket options for access to things like reserved seating, VIP express lines, and special meet and greets with the hosts. And there are very few of those VIP tickets left, so go check them out right now, honestly. October 28th through October 30th in Anaheim, California. Go to nowhearthisfest.com for more info. Today's episode is brought to you by Magoosh, online test prep for the GRE, GMAT, LSAT, SAT, ACT, TOEFL, and Praxis. It's a lot of letters right there. They can help you with all of them. It can be hard to find the time and money to prepare for standardized tests. Magoosh offers a better solution, affordable, effective test prep that is 100% online. Log in anytime, anywhere on your computer, tablet, or phone. Study what you want, when you want, where you want. Magoosh's complete test prep starts at under $100. They guarantee you'll improve your score or they give you your money back. Go to magoosh.com. Right now, that's M-A-G-O-O-S-H dot com. Get 20% off with the code BEAUTIFUL at checkout. Go ace those tests. I'll get you some money off on it. Go do it. It's on me. Hello, world. If you're a child, you're going to not love this one. If you're an animal, you're going to feel great about it. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one I think it'll be more fun And I'll get to know you And you'll get to know me I'll tell you what I like about this call you're about to hear Is that this guy has really strong opinions Has has a lot of strong activist opinions Has a dark past with his father Has has a a lot of um, opinions on interacting with the world And yet... One of the more lighthearted calls we've ever had, despite uh, a real mixing of things that could be heavy. And it's not to say that we're disrespecting them or that they, we don't go heavy. It's, it's just uh, it was a very, very interesting mix to me of uh, a guy with a lot of opinions and a lot to sort out, and also a guy who's down to left. Caller, thank you for having this conversation with me. It was fun. You let me know about the world and some of your issues with it, humanity and animals. And uh, I hope everybody enjoys listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hey. Is this Chris? Yeah, this is Chris. Chris, great to talk to you, man. Yeah, you too. How's it going? You sound, you sound like a nice guy. Oh, thanks. Um, it's good. I'm out walking my dog right now, actually. Oh, nice. What kind of dog you got? Well, I have four dogs, actually. This one is a, a pit bull mix. Wow. A much maligned breed, an yes. unfairly maligned breed. Oh, totally. Yeah, she um, she's a really sweet dog. In fact, she's a, she was a foster. My, uh, my wife and I intercepted her on the way to a shelter because she was 
she had killed a cat accidentally, and uh, they were going to send her to a shelter where she would probably be put down almost immediately. So we intercepted her, hoping that we would find a home for her. And it's been two years now, and we, we never have. So her now your home, your home is her home. It's official. My home is her home, but we have three tiny dogs also, and uh, they we've had to keep them totally separate for two years. They've never seen each other. Wow! How, wait, so so this pit bull does have some uh, aggression, then, huh? You know, I think some of them do. Um, she's incredibly sweet with kids and with people, and with big dogs, she's fine. But something about when she sees a little dog, some sort of predator instinct kicks in. Wow! Is that what happened with the cat too? Yeah, with a cat or, you know, with a squirrel or whatever it may be. Because I'll tell you something about me, and the world doesn't love this about me. I've never been a dog guy. You're not a dog fan. Not a dog guy. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm not a dog fan. I, I see what's appealing about a dog. I don't need a dog uh, in my house trying to, I don't need to be picking up a dog's poop. I like cats. Cats are very self-sufficient. I think it's part of why the internet <laughs> likes me is because the internet, the internet are cat people. And I am a cat person. The internet are cat people, do you think? You don't think so? There's so many cat memes. You got your grumpy cat, you got your little, I guess, little yeah, bub. I guess that's true. You got your little I bub. I don't, in my world, it's, a, it's all dog stuff. So I, we're living in separate internets, perhaps. Fair, fair to each their own. The internet is a vast place. <laughs> So uh, I, you know, I do have a, a topic I wanted to talk about with you, if I, you know, something, you know, a little more serious, but I thought you would be a good person to chat with about it. Yeah, whatever you want. You don't have children, correct? No. And you're 36? Yeah, you know a lot about me. I listen to your show. That's fair. You got a good um, memory. I'm 36. Yeah. I'm 36. I don't have children either, and it's... It's starting to bum me out how all my friends have kids. Okay. And I wanted to talk about that with you and see if you experienced something similar. Mm-hmm. Do your friends have kids? Yeah, I got a lot of friends with kids. Do you like kids? Yeah, I like kids. I like kids better than I like dogs. <laughs> yeah, see, I feel the opposite. I'm not a fan of kids. Not a fan of children as a, as a thing, as a concept. Not really, no. And it kind of makes me think, um, well, I mean, number one, sometimes it makes me think I'm not such a great person if I don't like kids. And number two, it just makes me, it kind of complicates all my relationships with my friends who do have kids. So you're, you, it's not even like you don't want kids. It's like you actively don't like being around kids. Well, I can't say not, not at all, um, but I just don't connect to them, really. I don't relate to them. And... Uh, I don't really want kids myself, no. But sometimes I think I should have a kid just so I would have something in common with my friends. Wow. Does your wife want kids? No, she doesn't want kids either. You guys are off the grid on that. You know, you're not, you're not into it. No, we're really not. And I keep, I kind of, as I've gotten older, I've kind of expected that instinct would kick in at some point and I would want them because it's happened with all my friends. But I don't know. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. How come? What is it? So it's just that you can't connect with them? Is there, or is there, are there any specific, any specific things you can point to where you're like, not my, not my bag. Like me with dogs. I'm like, here's my things. 
I don't need to pick up another animal. I don't need to pick up poop off the ground. I don't get why that's fun. I don't need to walk around. In <laughs> that the, is the worst. That is the worst part. It's of the worst a dog, part. No question. I don't like the idea that I gotta go out in the cold when I don't want to go out in the cold to walk this other animal around so it can poop and then I pick up the poop. And I don't like. I don't want. I don't need the thing living in my house that's constantly trying to eat food while I'm trying to eat the food. And sometimes they try to eat poop as well. Yeah, that's try, like a double. Yeah. Double whammy. So those are my specific reasons where I'm like, I get dogs. I like looking at dogs. Other people have dogs. They make them happy. I'm into it. I don't need to own a dog. And those are my reasons. That's my checklist. What's your kid's checklist? Yeah. Well, I think there's a general thing of, um, you know, I, I kind of don't want to radically rearrange my life. I think I like my life enough right now. And I know that if I had a kid, you know, I mean, in general, there's a lot of things I wouldn't have time for that I, I want to do now and that are important to me. Um, and I think there's, you know, just a fear that, you know, the kid is born and there's the fear that there's a moment of re- re- regret where you kind of, you don't like the life that you now have with the kid and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, you can't turn back on that. No, not really. I get that. I mean, you can, but you pretty terrible person i think <laughs> if you just like ditch the kid, if you just ditch the, you're not you're not a kid ditcher if you're in if you're on the kid you're not ditching the kid no i don't think so i mean i haven't ditched this dog so i don't think i'm gonna ditch a kid this dog sounds a little bit like a pain in the ass i mean i i would i love i love her she's a great dog um but it is sometimes it's a burden you know yeah, and you're more willing to put up with that burden than a burden that would continue your genetic line and take care of you in your old age. You know, that's it's funny you say that because that is the one reason. I don't care so much about continuing my genetic line, but the idea of somebody taking care of me when I get older, that is the one thing that does kind of make me lean a little bit in that direction. Yeah. What's your relationship with your parents like? I'm very close with my mom. Um, she, my parents were divorced. My my mom left my dad when I was two weeks old. Oh wow! Yeah, and I had a complicated relationship with my dad. There were some times I didn't see him when I was growing up, and sometimes that I did. And um, um, complicated. I wanna... I'd like, to, I'd like to apologize my for my liberal use of the phrase kid ditcher earlier when it clearly is something that's a little <laughs> bit more of a serious topic in your life. It is serious. He didn't ditch me. He wasn't a deadbeat dad. He he wanted to be around me uh, a lot, but he had some mental problems uh, and he wasn't he wasn't permitted to be around me all the time. Yeah, that's that's hard. Yeah, it was hard. And he's, uh, he's actually, he had a stroke a couple months ago, actually. He's, uh, he's been in a coma for a couple months. Oh man, I'm sorry. Yeah, thanks. It's been complicated, you know, because, uh, my relationship with him is so complicated. So when somebody goes into that kind of situation, you know, you just kind of left, left, uh, working it all out by yourself. Yeah, I would imagine. I would imagine, it's really hard to figure out how to feel about that when your relationship hasn't been like the traditional playing catch in the yard stuff. And I would imagine that it it, it must affect your feelings on on potential fatherhood as well. Yeah, I think so. I can't quite wrap my mind around 
the second part of that. But the first part of it, I definitely relate to, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, talking to his friends and they talk about what an amazing guy he was and they're grieving over him while he's in the hospital. And I'm just kind of sitting there biting my tongue thinking, you know, he's not exactly this person that you think he is. He's, he's more complicated. He's not quite as amazing. And I feel like I don't have a venue to really talk to people about that. Well, I'll tell you what's a good venue is the beautiful anonymous podcast. That's what we're here for. Yeah, man. That's why this I mean, exists. That's, that's one of the reasons I like your podcast is people get to come on here and say something they don't get to say to anybody else. Oh, yeah. And nobody ever has to know about it, to my knowledge. I don't know if people's voices are getting recognized out there. I never talk to these people again, and I take no responsibility for the repercussions. But if you want a vent, I'm down. What about you, though? Can I ask about... Um, are you planning on having children at some point? Is that a conversation you have with your wife? Yeah, I'd love to. That's good. Yeah. It would be nice. Her brother just had a kid about a week ago. I mean, ago. part of me was hoping that you would say, uh, I hate kids. I don't want kids. Oh, yeah, you I thought, relate to that. Yeah. But I'm happy for you. You, you, thought, you <laughs> thought I was going to be here and it was going to be 49 minutes and 46 more seconds of me and you just ranting about how idiotic all these kid-loving uh weasels in their 30s are and how they need to shut up about their kids i don't want to i don't want to not be able to go to a restaurant i like because you have a fucking stroller you thought it was gonna be 49 minutes of that instead it was me going like oh no i actually rather would love a kid and then i feel very positive that it'll happen someday i'm sure i'm sure it will chris we'll see we'll see but you know you don't have the, the problem i have you don't feel or maybe you do um you know isolated from your friends with kids i do I do feel isolated from my friends with kids, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. <laughs> I don't know if this is just a sad thing about me, but it's like I don't know if my uh, I don't at the age, I don't know about you. You sound like you maybe have have mastered have mastered a little bit more. At the age of thirty six, I feel like the best days of my social life are behind me anyway. So I don't mind if I exclude uh, like if my if my friends who want to party feel like they can't party with me. Because I have a kid, it's not really like I'm going out and partying so much anyway now. I'm like 36 years old and my knees hurt all the time. I live in Queens. I moved to Queens. I'm not, I'm not living in Greenpoint anymore, going out dancing every night. So I might as well have a kid. I, don't I guess know. it's not to me so much partying. It's, uh, you know, a lot of my friends who have kids, I, I guess it's not just the kids. It's also, you know, their careers. A lot of them work in, in finance or in some sort of corporate setting. And maybe it's not just the kids themselves, but it's all the stuff that comes along with it. The, the uh, emphasis on making money and that sort of thing. So you feel like people maybe their whole priority shift in a way that gets just a little shittier in your opinion. I think so. I, I went to a, I mean, I don't want to say shittier because that's, it's a little more judgmental than I will allow myself to be out okay. loud. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I went to a bachelor party a couple months ago for a friend of mine uh, from high school. And I think there were seven guys there. And I was just looking around at all of them at dinner. And like all they were talking about was their kids, their careers, and their investments. And I just felt like I was living in a totally different reality than them. Wow. And what are your, what are your priorities? How would you say your priorities are different? Well, um, I am, I'm kind of a, an activist. I work for a, a nonprofit and, um, and I also do writing. I'm a writer, freelance writer on the side. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty sweet gig. Yeah. It's a lot of work and it's fun, but it's, it's meaningful. You know, I feel like I'm, I don't know. I feel like I'm 
contributing to something uh, that is bigger than myself. And I guess they do as well, but it feels still radically different. Yeah. You're trying to change the world. You're trying to affect the world. And they're sitting here. Uh, yeah. They're sitting here trying to make enough. They're trying to say, I'm, I need to make that six figures so I can afford the daycare so my kid can get into an Ivy League. Yeah, they're raising kids who are going to make the world shittier. <laughs> wow. You're an activist <laughs> trying to make it better. And you assume these people who are getting maybe progressively, <laughs> whose priorities are shifting in a way you don't like, are raising the next generation. Are there any specific kids? I don't want you to talk bad about children, but are there, are there I kind of do, I guess. Are there like specific incidents with with friends with kids where you've seen the kids where you're like, Hey, no, thanks. This, this person sucks. Uh, I would, I mean, I would love to be able to point one out to you, but it's, it's more general than that. Like I look at these kids and I'm not like, you're terrible. You're like, you're a terrible person. I don't think that I just, I see nothing. <laughs> I see nothing of value in a lot of them. You see nothing of value in children. <laughs> wow. That's a hard line. What are you What are the activists? Here's a funny thing. Here's a funny thing. You're an activist, and uh, and I feel like one common thing you hear about activism is that people want to make the world a better place for the next generation than it is right now. So what are your mm-hmm. what are your priorities in activism? Because it se- that seems to be a very running theme of like young people. Yeah. Young people tend to be activists who are trying to shift the priorities of the world towards a better future. But you're like, fuck the future. I think, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Um, I am an activist for animals and there is a big problem, I think, or at least a trend among animal activists, uh, that has, it it makes you very misanthropic because I, at least in my work, I see on a regular basis, all the terrible, terrible things human beings do to animals in a very systematic way. And it's kind of depressing and it makes me not feel very good about mankind to be perfectly honest. So it's not just kids. You're just not a general fan of humanity. I think that's true, but I, but I do like, I mean, I I like other people. I like connecting with other people. I love talking to other people. Um, but when a kid, there's nothing for me to connect to. So maybe like all I see is (laughs) negative, you know? Yeah. So it's not even like you can slice through your, your general, misgivings about stuff you've learned about people because what are you going to talk with a kid about you're going to talk about a nerf gun you're not into, who cares about it what are you going to talk about <laughs> no you're going I'm, to talk about I'm really not I, they're not interested in these types of discussions you're here you're here trying to tell people about like uh about like uh re, like my wife my wife was telling me about recent studies that have shown that fish have feelings of pain that we now know that definitively you're trying to talk to people about right. that about about vegetarianism, veganism, the exploitation of animals, and these kids are sitting here trying to talk to you about uh, SpongeBob or like the Transformers reboot, the Michael Bay Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. You're like, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? We're I mean, that, vicious- that's what I fear would happen. But honestly, I don't even put myself in that. I barely even try to talk to them in the first place. So, <laughs> so this is a very theoretical dislike of children as a subset of humanity. This is more of a stance than an actual experience. Yeah, perhaps. Do you do any activism with kids or towards kids? Do you ever try to go into schools or talk to kids about animal rights? going to go ahead and hear from some of our sponsors right now. 
I want to thank them for helping to make this show happen. Just like I want to thank that caller for trying to make the world a better place. But in the meantime, what makes the world a better place? These services and products that can make your world a better place. Check them out. Very, very happy to be here telling you personally from me, Blue Apron. I can tell you personally, it is a really cool thing. I actually cooked my first Blue Apron meal last night with my wife. And I'm telling you, I'm not someone who cooks. They made it so easy, so simple. And it was fun. It was fun for me and my wife to do it together. That's what I loved the most. This sat down and in an hour, we cooked a giant meal. It said it was two servings. It was easily four, easily four. It was a great, great thing. And I'm happy to tell you all about it. It was awesome. Well-cooked food with fresh ingredients that I made with my wife. Super simple. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients. It makes delicious home-cooked meals very easy. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals. They set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, ranchers. So whether it's Japanese ramen noodles or wild-caught Alaskan salmon, they got it all, and they're bringing you the best. They got meals available in July, like spinach and basil pesto gnocchi, like spiced pork tacos, like summer vegetable pizza with garlic lemon broccolini. Come on. Check out this week's menu. Get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash beautiful. B-E-A-U-T-I-F-U-L. Blueapron.com slash beautiful. You'll love how good it feels. It tastes. You create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. Don't wait. It's a great thing. That's blueapron.com slash beautiful. Blue Apron. It's a better way to cook, and I can vouch for it personally. Hello, fans of Beautiful Anonymous. If you're looking for a new podcast to listen to, I've got one for you. It's called Found. It's hosted and created by Davey Rothbart, who you might remember from This American Life. He's a frequent contributor there. And for the past 15 years, Davey has been collecting lost and found notes, letters, photos, to-do lists. They've all been sent to him from people all over the world. He took those notes. He created Found Magazine, which I am a longtime reader of. It's really, it's so incredible, fascinating. Found became a musical. And now it's a podcast. In the podcast, Davey solves the mysteries behind the notes. He tracks down the people who wrote them Discover super personal stories about love, loss, hope, and more. Knowing what I know about Found and how cool it is, he, knowing you guys and how much you love personal stories, I feel like this is a great match. Plus, cool thing about it is you can participate too. There's a Found app on iOS where you can check out the notes from the podcast and even upload your own Found notes. New episodes drop every other Wednesday. Make sure you subscribe today to Found on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit wondery.com found. Welcome back to the call. Let's hear from this casual dude about how children are awful, but we can save the world. Do you do any activism with kids or towards kids? Do you ever try to go into schools or talk to kids about animal rights? No, I, I, I did join the Big Brother program about 10 years ago. How'd that go? What do you do? So you, there was a point when you were, you, there was a point, there was a point when you wanted to connect with a kid? Well, I wasn't an animal activist yet. At that point, I was 26 and I joined the big, I don't know what compelled me. I have no idea. Uh, And I was hoping they would match me up with a little kid, but they matched me up with like a 14 year old who was somewhat troubled. Oh, wow. Okay. And it didn't go very well. I didn't, I did not connect to him. I tried to take him to a basketball game because he was a big basketball fan. So I had a friend, one one of these rich friends I mentioned who works on wall street, got me good tickets to a basketball game. 
and he didn't enjoy himself at all. And what's worse, like sitting right next to us, there was another big brother, little brother team, and they were having a fantastic time. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then that was our first, you know, first uh, time out together. And uh-huh. then the second time we went out together, we had lunch and that we went to see a movie and that was okay. And then he got sent to juvie. Uh-huh. And I never saw him again. You never saw him again. No. So the one time you dabbled with connecting with a kid, you you just felt uh, let down. You just felt underwhelmed. You felt underwhelmed and ultimately I mean, betrayed. It, it felt like a disaster. That's the word I would use. A disaster. Your experience. And yeah. the Big Brother program, I should say, a legendary program, a good-hearted program. My, one of my best friends in the world, my friend Bethany, is a big sister and has had like a years-long relationship with her little sister. A program that I would say is beautiful, just not your thing, a disaster, your personal experience, well, I, no, a disaster. I think, I think it's a great program. I think yeah. everybody should do it. It just didn't work <laughs> out for me. I like that. I like that we're both taking a clear stance that we're not trying to uh, take a big shit on the big brother, big sister <laughs> program, that we recognize the value in adults <laughs> contributing time to uh, kids in need. I like that, that we're not going that far. It's a fine, it's a fine program. <laughs> A fine, a fine program. What a tepid endorsement. What a a, uh, a half-hearted thumbs up. A fine, the Big Brother, not a thing said often. The Big Brother program, it's fine. Not said too often. Usually when it comes up, it's, uh, it's, it's glowing. It's glowing words. I like this. I like this. Maybe I, maybe I. No, go for it. Well, I was going to say, I think maybe I meant the word fine more in like a classical sense, like a fine gentleman. Yes. No, I know. But just so you know how it sounded, it it sounded like some guarded, some guarded enthusiasm <laughs> or a, a token fine. But I know that's not what you meant at all. I'm just messing with you. Okay. Just clarifying. I'm just messing with you. Yeah. You said, you, you did, you did say it's fine about the Big Brother program. Like most people would say about like Olive Garden or, uh, <laughs> You know, like a trip to Home Depot. It was fine. I got what I needed. Was, oh, I hate Home Depot. You do? Do you hate he- Home Depot more than children, human children? <laughs> um, I hate Home Depot. You know, I, I live in, in sort of the country, uh, and I have to go there a lot, and I, I hate it. I don't know where anything is, and it kind of makes me anxious just to be in there. I feel inadequate. You feel inadequate. You're you're pretty. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know how to I don't know how to fix anything. I never learned any of that stuff. So when I go in there, I'm just like you know, totally helpless person. Wow. So, uh, like to you, that absolute nightmare is you go to a Home Depot and inexplicably all the workers are children. That that's like your absolute <laughs> nightmare. Is that it's all like seven year olds and you're like, hey, I need someone to unlock the cage with the spray paint in it, and they're and they're just uh, <laughs> little. They're just like. Uh, Hold on, I have to yeah. do my homework. Yeah. Home Depot full of kids. I, mean, that's, that's your I don't see how that wouldn't sound like a nightmare to anyone. It might sound like a fantasy land to some. I don't know. That just wow. I just think I might have just endorsed weird, perverted people. That's my bad. I stumbled into something. <laughs> I meant fantasy land in like a Disney movie sense, not in a uh, pedophile way. This is getting weird. This yeah. is a weird call. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't think that. Okay, so you don't like kids. You do love animals. Is your wife yeah. is your wife an activist as well? Is your wife's are your wife's feelings about no need for a kid similar? Her feelings are um yeah, they they're similar. She she got me into the animal activism thing, to be honest. 
um, she grew up on a farm, like a, uh, you know, a small family farm. And, uh, she saw a lot of animals hurt and abused there. And, you know, I think some people in that situation, they would become desensitized to the cruelty. I think most people would actually, but she kind of went the other direction and became hypersensitive to it. You guys vegans? We are vegan. Yeah. So you're putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah. What were you like as a kid? I was, uh, for a while there, I was really sweet and, uh, you know, and as a teenager, I kind of got a bit rebellious, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, started experimenting with drugs and alcohol and crashed my car about eight times. Oh, wow. So hard for real um, alcohol and drug stuff. Not really. I mean, I went to a private school. It was, it, this is all still pretty tame in the, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. But yeah, I was, I was rebelling in my own way for sure. What kind of drugs were you doing? I became a daily pot smoker, I think junior year of high school and then experimenting with psychedelic stuff. Yeah. I like acid a lot. Yeah. But here's the thing I noticed about you, man. You, you skipped right over your actual childhood into your teenage years. Just yeah. the concept of childhood. You don't like it. You don't like the concept that at some point people have to be young. Yeah. You immediately, you're well, like, childhood you know, is nice, there, and then by 14, it got interesting. Yeah, I mean, there was there was a lot of pain in my childhood, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because, yeah, I guess that's true. And a lot of, uh, a lot of fear. And uh, I think it was, you know, it was traumatic in a lot of ways, so... I guess, you know, there's part of me that just can't get back there. Well, I won't let myself go back there in my mind. Yeah. Were there any, are there any great memories? Were there any things you loved as a kid? Like, do you remember any of that or was it just childhood? Not a good stretch. Oh no, there was definitely good stuff. You know, I talked to my mom about this a lot and you know, there was, there was a lot of fear um, about my dad, but she also created like a great sanctuary for us where we did feel safe and we had joy and creativity and all that stuff. And, um, you know, me, my, my mom and, and my sister were incredibly close. We really bonded closely together because of what we were all going through. And, uh, you know, so there was great stuff there and I'm still really close with them. And in some ways it was a normal childhood, but in other ways there was this dysfunction always, lurking around the edges yeah that's that's horrible that, to have to, to i don't know how much you want to get into it but when it comes to your dad stuff like you say there was a lot of fear you say there's mental illness was there like was there fear he was going to like do something to you was there fear that he was going to do something to your mom yeah there was i mean there's 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 some stuff i probably shouldn't go into but there's some stuff i can and um you know basically he was so enraged that she left and that she was awarded custody that he kind of, it felt like he was making it his business to never, never give in to that. He would show up all the time, like randomly places where he knew we would be. He would show up at our house when he wasn't supposed to, you know, he would break down the front door, but not actually come in because technically it's not breaking and entering if you don't enter the door. Uh, if you don't, you know, go through the door, um, he would find out when I was going to be at my friend's houses and he would call me over there when he wasn't supposed to, it just kind of felt like 
you know, being terrorized. Yeah, so your father was like a boogeyman figure in your life. Completely. Yeah, I mean, wow. he literally one time waited in our garage. Uh, so when we got home, he, like, popped out. I mean, it was as close to the boogeyman as could be. And you guys, and he couldn't go to jail for any of that, or was it just your mom didn't want to? He did go to jail briefly, uh, wow. but just for a month or something. So he was kind of stalking you as a family. Completely. Wow. And he, he thinks he was doing it to show me and my sister how much he loved us uh but it certainly didn't feel that way right so he's and then that i would imagine that that's that's a lot to unwrap for a kid too to un these feelings of love being equated with fear and demonstrating love being uh demonst demonstrating aggression that's a lot to unwrap it was it was a lot and relationships have been hard you know as an adult i think in part because of that um you know, I'm lucky I have a very understanding, forgiving wife at the moment. Um, not at the moment, meaning that I might not have her in the future, but I'm lucky that I have her. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, but it's, yeah, it's, it's been hard, you know, it's been hard to get close to, to people in those types of relationships. Well, I gotta say, I don't want to be an armchair psychologist and my shrink gets, my shrink listens to the show and gets mad when I do, but I gotta say, I don't think it's too much of a reach to say that. It sounds like you, it, 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 it sounds like there's a, uh, a, it makes a lot of sense to me that you're someone who really loves animals who are innocent and don't have ulterior motives and who's disconnected. Cause it, it, let's be honest too. You say like your kid, it started off by you saying like my friends with kids, my friends with kids, I can't connect with them, but now it's clear it's kids in general, but also you've said a bunch of stuff too about like, like wall street dickhead friends who only want money and stuff. It's mm -hmm. pe in people in general, you're not. You like animals better than people, huh? Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, obviously, you, you can't have as meaningful of a relationship with an animal, but they're certainly easier and, um, you know, and they're safer. I mean, I, I have, you know, I have some close friends, but I'm, I constantly feel uh, conflict with them. There's constantly a push and pull, I feel, with them um, uh, that is, makes it hard to stay close to them and feel close to them. And, um you know, uh, with these animals around me, you know, it's a dog in particular, which, you know, you know, are the most loving and the most accepting. Yeah. But they I mean, also there's probably are, a reason I'm not a cat person in there too. Yeah. I mean, but I guess another thing about dogs is also like they bump into your legs while you're just trying to eat dinner and, uh, they're always making these pleaty eyes at you and they want your food. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you mentioned your sister. Does your sister have kids? You said you're close with your sister. Funny you mention that. She's due in November, her first kid. How does that make you feel? It's um, it's better for me than it has been for my friends who have kids. Um, I'm happier for her than I than I thought than I worried that I would be. Um, I think if this had happened five years ago or something, uh, when I had a little less of this stuff worked out in my mind, it would have been harder. But. I'm really just trying to be happy for her as much as possible. I mean, she lives far away from me. She lives on the other side of the country. So I'm not going to be in her life as much. I'm not going to be in the kid's life as much, which is good and bad. I mean, I, I'm going to miss that, but I also don't feel pressure to connect quite as much as I would, <laughs> if I think, you know, if she lived near me. The physical distance is a little bit of a blessing. A little bit when it comes to this stuff. But on the other hand, maybe having her around me and having a kid around me would force me to you know deal with it a little bit more and maybe that would be good for me so yeah. i don't know but there is i mean this is going to be an interesting thing because i mean you said you're very close with your sister this is your sister's first kid it is 
So, I mean, you got to send birthday gifts to this kid, man. You're going to have to send like a... You have to send. You're gonna have to actually engage and and on some at least token level participate yeah. in a I mean, child's childhood. I can do that. I can I can do all the things that you're supposed to do. I mean, I have godchildren. I have two godchildren and a third one on the way, so I know how to do those things. Wow. So, but wait. I don't know quite as well how to actually connect. Hold on, though. Hold on. You have godchildren because godparent. You ask someone to be godparents. When that's the person you kind of trust the most in the world, and when that's someone where you say, if, if, if a family, if this kid winds up without a family, I entrust you to be the person. You, you have a handle on things in a way where I want you to affect my kids. Yeah, well, these are people that my wife and I are close with. Um, and I think part of the reason they made us godparents is because they are also vegan. And they, if something ever happened to them, they would want their kids to be raised vegan. And I don't think they know anybody else who would do that. So I think that was part of the reason right there. So the ideals of it. But they, these, they, 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 they don't know that you're just kind of like meh about kids then. If they're just – so you're, you're three kids, three kids, god kids, or two, two god kids and one more god kid on the way? That's right. Two and one more on the way. This is hold on. I mean, they, they, I like I like their kids. I mean, they're they're okay. They're, they're they're all right. I just don't connect to them. You know what? God forbid something happens to your friends. What what what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen when these kids have to come live in your house? I I mean I I don't think that's gonna happen. First of all, yeah, you know the odds of that happening are incredibly low, right? <laughs> Sure, sure, but in a theoretical, okay. in right. a theoretical two, world, I, I don't know. I, I like to think of myself as somebody who could, who could change, who, who would be, you know, if that happened, I would be forced into, you know, learning to care about kids or at least these kids more deeply. I want everybody to uh, just let's take a break, and if you got a child in your life, maybe give them a nice pat on the head, say a kind words, so they know that they uh appreciate it right now and in the meantime as you're doing so also keep one ear on the on your podcasting device because we're going to hear from our sponsors who help make this show happen sometimes it feels like there's not enough hours in the day even when you're working past that nine to five when you're at the end of a long day like that you don't want to go to the post office make one of these time-consuming trips you need a better way Use Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, get the postage you need the instant you need it. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package right from your computer, your printer, your house. Quick, easy, convenient. You save money with Stamps.com, too. It's just a fraction of the cost of one of those expensive postage meters. Plus, you get special postage discounts you can't even find at the post office. I recommend it. I recommend it. I got the post office at the end of my block. I still don't want to deal with it with those lines. Everybody's weird, grumpy attitude standing in those lines. It's depressing. Use Stamps.com. Eliminate all of that. Right now, sign up for Stamps.com. Use my promo code BEAUTIFUL for this special offer. It's a good deal, guys. Four-week trial plus a $110 bonus offer, including postage and a digital scale. Get started with Stamps.com today. Within minutes, you'll be printing postage right from your desk. Go to Stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in BEAUTIFUL. That's stamps.com. Enter beautiful. Let's get back into it. A world of humans, animals, how they cross over, Home Depots, all the things in life that stress us out. 
We got more from this caller. I don't know. I, I like to think of myself as somebody who could, who could change, who, who would be, you know, if that happened, I would be forced into, you know, learning to care about kids or at least these kids more deeply. Wow. It's like Uncle Buck, but like very, very vegan. <laughs> Remember Uncle Buck, John Candy? Uh, you're, not, you're not picturing me like Uncle Buck right now. Yeah. In my in my mind, you look exactly like John Candy, but just in this moment, <laughs> just in this moment. You're the vegan there Uncle Buck. There are a lot of vegans who look like Uncle Buck. That's a good point. I guess that's, I guess that's true. I guess that is true. The vegan lifestyle doesn't lend itself. I'm sure John Candy was not traditional vegan. Who knows? No. But there's people with glandular issues and stuff like that. I'm sure. Who knows? What are we even talking about now? No, you're right. There are there are some overweight vegans. It's yeah, possible. But of course, it's rare. Yeah, I'm not gonna body shame. I'm not here to body shame anybody. No, definitely not. No body shaming. Yeah. So what? Uh, um, I can morally shame people, but I won't body shame. Them. Oh, you you do. So you own it as a, as a vegan activist. You do morally shame people. Honestly, you know, I hate it. I don't want to do that at all. And I, I try really hard to remember there was a time when I wasn't vegan not that long ago. But it's hard. Were you full on? You were a meat eater. You I, were eating meat a while ago. Yeah, I went vegan about nine years ago. And you didn't do vegetarianism first. You skipped straight to veganism. I did vegetarianism for like six months or so. And then you were all in? Yeah, I did it basically with my wife. She was vegetarian and then we kind of went vegan together. Yeah. And was she and and growing up on the farm, seeing what she saw, she had a she had some she had an activist mindset. She had that fire was burning before you guys got together. Yeah, for sure. I mean she's not an activist professionally, like I am. Um she's a she does something else for a living. But um she has felt very strongly about it and was an, was an advocate at least, you know, in her mm-hmm. personal life. Wow. Yeah. And she opened my eyes to it. And then I did a lot of reading on my own that, you know, that helped. Yeah. I just stopped eating meat uh, in March, three months ago, but I still mm-hmm. eat fish. That wow, gets you mad. Good for you. Pescatarian. That gets you mad, right? Go all What's in. The, get oh, pescatarian. But your wife is telling you that fish have feelings. Yeah. She just told me that. So now I'm starting to think about fish. It's- Interesting. What precipitated the change for you? I had a. I thought I was having a heart attack. I spent the night in the hospital. I was convinced I was dying, and I was like, I think I need to change my diet. So it was very health based. Oh. But I also I've talked about this on the oh, show before, sure. and people laugh at it. But I'm also a big fan of Morrissey, and say what you will about yeah. him, and he has some troublesome attitudes. He's also one of the world's, I think, one of the most longstanding public. Uh, like animal rights activists in pop culture at this point, and it does rub off on me. And when you go and you see Morrissey yeah. live, the past few years he's always been ending his sets with "Meat is murder," and he shows footage beforehand of how animals are are butchered and and slaughtered, and uh, those videos are so intense and so messed up. And and I would say Morrissey really, uh, after many many years of being a fan, I've started to. Come around, but the main precipitating thing was I thought I was dying. I thought I was having a show. I, I, I was doing a show. I was doing a show up in Westchester County, and on stage I thought I was having a heart attack. And I finished the show because I'm a jerk. But I was like, I might die on stage, and if I do, but I, I was like ten minutes into an hour long show. Then I went to the hospital. Still, I thought I was gonna drop dead, and I was like, I'm gonna change my diet, man. It wound up being acid reflux. You can't, you can't think you're dying because <laughs> acid reflux. So. So it wasn't really something that was caused by a bad diet. 
Well, I mean, historically, all I do is drink soda and eat candy and cheese. Like, that's my diet. <laughs> it doesn't help. My diet, legendarily not cool. But giving up the meat did help. Yeah. It did help. Just health-wise, it did help. And you live in New York where there's a ton of awesome vegetarian food. Yeah, and I live uh, I live in Jackson Heights, Queens now, so I'm four blocks from Little India. And uh, Indian food lends itself towards vegetarianism, vegetarianism in a great way. Like there's world, there's world class Indian restaurants that are just straight up don't have meat options on the menu, and they're four blocks from my house. It's pretty incredible. Well, that's cool, man. I hope I wish I wish you well with that. I hope you stick with it. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I'm feeling good, and now my wife's telling me that fish have feelings, so I might have to give up the seafood. I like seafood a lot, but I might give that up too. She told me that fish have feel pain. I don't know. They do, yeah. I know there's a new book out about that. Yeah. What a fish knows or what a fish feels. She was just telling me about um, that. Tell you about the fish? She was just telling me about it. I think the same book. I think she just heard about it. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. You, you hear that? Whoa. What small animal did your pit bull just see? <laughs> She's just trying to protect me, Chris. She's protect not you from what? I think. From a physical threat or from the fact that you're in, so in touch with your emotions in the course of this phone call and she can sense it? She, yeah, she senses I'm, I'm vulnerable right now. I need protection. She senses your vulnerability. I think she uh, heard uh, the UPS truck or something, maybe? UPS, man. Oh, so the UPS, when he has to deliver something to your house, there's a night, you're the nightmare house right now. He's not happy about all the That's, barking when he shows up. Your dog sure. that yeah. you said was a sweet dog just sounded like the most furious pit pitbull. Yeah, but Chris, let me ask you a question. Let's yeah. say somebody is threatening somebody that you love. Oh yeah. What happens to your attitude? Oh, I would. I, I sleep with a pipe next to my bed because if anyone ever broke into my house and tried to threaten my wife, I'd have no qualms oh. about smashing their skull oh. until they were just a puddle of uh, brains. And See, there you go, dude. That's all she's food. doing. I sleep with a baseball bat next to my bed for the same reason. Yeah, it's weird when you get married. People ask me what's the difference between just dating someone and getting married. In my experience, it becomes that killing on behalf of someone else is not even a thought. It's not even an issue. <laughs> I don't even think about it. <laughs> I would straight up murder someone ever, and like, and like, if someone threatened my wife, they'd be dead. And like, the definition of threatening now goes to even sort of like slight disrespect. Like, I'm ready to kill on her behalf in a creepy way. I think my wife would probably. My wife always says that she would, she would rather protect me. Like she, uh, oh. if anybody ever broke in our house, <laughs> she would. She told me to go hide in the closet, and she'll take care of it. Really, your wife's a badass, huh? Yeah, she's pretty badass. She's a tall, tall lady. She's strong, and uh, she's uh, pretty fearless about that sort of thing. Yeah, my wife, too. My wife, too, she says, too, like, she sometimes has perceived people disrespecting me, and she straight up has been like, that person won't have a, like, that That person will be on the floor if I ever see that happening. <laughs> like, she's the best, but similar. My wife is a uh, professional aerialist. She's she's like tall and um, physically fit. What is an what is an aerialist, dude? Her job for years was to do these performance shows where she'd put on a harness and swing around from the ceiling of a warehouse. There's these shows De La Guarda and Fuerza Bruta that are like these very legendary performance art dance hybrid shows, and she was in them. Aerialist, strap on a harness, like. Trapeze, you're talking about? Kind of. I mean, like trapeze if there's actually not even like a net or bars to hang on to. 
like just like swooping down what? from the ceiling. Yeah, she's badass. She's incredible. She, it's crazy. Dating a badass woman, it's the best. Uh, I, I know you don't want to talk about her too much, but uh, is, was that is that dangerous? Like, do people die doing that sometimes? Um, I don't know. If, I don't think anybody has died in the shows she was in. I don't. I'm almost certain they haven't, or she would have told me. Almost all of her, a lot of her friends though get retired because they get injured. She herself got injured on the job. Um, I think a lot of dancers in all forms of dance, you know, it's so hard on your body right. that they retire young. And yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough gig. It's a tough gig. She's friends with a lot of Cirque That's du Soleil crazy, people, man. though. Cirque du Soleil is another part of that world, and people die there on a, I wouldn't say frequent basis, but more than one person has died in those acts. Wow. Yeah, that is badass. So listen, you're a professional activist. What's uh like? What's that? What's that mean? Is that is that like going into an office, distributing literature, thinking about that, or are you like on the streets? Getting no, I'm not. I'm not like an on the street activist. Um, I work for an activist organization, really more an advocacy organization. Um, uh-huh. I've done a few different things for them. I for a while was a actually a lobbyist for them on Capitol Hill. Whoa. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I did that for a few years. That sounds like a uh, great thing to do, but also a nightmare. Yeah, it was great for a little while, like in the beginning, and then it it quickly became a nightmare. I mean, it just, you know, trying to get members of Congress interested in animals is tricky. Were you one-on-one, face-to-face with, with congressmen at times? Yeah, many times. So you're sitting down in a room with a congressperson who's like from a ranching from a state with a large ranching industry. They yeah. don't want to hear what you have to say. No, they they don't. And a lot of times when you're in that situation, I, I the look on their face I interpret it as like they're angry, like somebody made a mistake. Like they're not supposed to be in a room with me. They must have thought I was somebody else. Like the 20 minutes they have to spend with you should not have happened in the first yeah. place. Yeah, like somebody might get fired because they're sitting in a room there. <laughs> and what type of stuff would you say to them? Like, let's get into it. We got 17 minutes left. And I will say this. You, you are a complex dude. You're a complex dude with complex feelings, but it's been pretty light. But I want to get into the animal stuff. Like, what are you saying to them? What is it? What are the hardline things that you're like, look, this shit is happening. It shouldn't be happening. It's not okay. Well, you know, there's only so far you can get talking to members of Congress about the suffering of animals. Um, and you know, one of the things I learned really early on in the process is there are a lot of members of Congress who claim to care about animal issues and they have a good record on animal issues, but I don't think any of them or very few of them really actually care. They're, they're voting that way because there are loud, possibly wealthy people in their districts who care about those issues. You know, that's just the way the system works. So uh, the arguments you make, if you're just talking about animal suffering, you know, maybe that piques their interest. Maybe you teach them something they didn't know. But you have to use other arguments. You have to use economic arguments or, you know, um, health arguments, that sort of thing. And you can get further with that, but it's still, it's still an enormous challenge. Yeah. So you have to go to a ranching state and say, like, all the methane produced by cow fields is going to destroy the environment long-term and tie it in on that. You can't be like the way cows are killed is unforgivable. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And unfortunately in most of the ranching states, that's still not going to matter because the economics trump the truth. Yeah. Uh, You know, they still are, these members of Congress are still, 
they still have to answer to industry in their state more than they do the facts. But you, you know, use every tool at your disposal. Are there any representatives or senators you met who you're like, actually, that person is a saint and has uh, and is is looking out for the animals? There is, yeah, and um, there there were there were a few actually, but one person who jumps to mind is um, Congressman uh, Walter Jones, who's a Republican from North Carolina, I think. Oh wow! And yeah, he's just an incredibly sweet, empathetic guy. He um, he writes a letter, or he did, to the family of every single a member of the armed services who's killed in the Middle East, even those not in his district, because wow. he feels so bad about having voted to authorize those wars. And that empathy extends to animals as well. Like when you're talking to him, you just you do sense that he really, really cares. And that I, was that was pretty rare. Everybody, uh, I think uh, I'm I'm personally as a as a, a liberal progressive New Yorker, I was surprised to hear it's a Republican. I think everybody listening was like going, "Please say Elizabeth Warren. I want more reasons to like her. <laughs> I want more reasons to like Elizabeth Warren." Walter Jones, that's cool. Walter good, Jones getting the shout Democrats out. Democrats too, but I, he stood out maybe in part because he was a Republican, and of course he's like a pariah in his own party because of all that stuff. Yeah, and I mean, from North Carolina, that's a state that's known for becoming, I mean, like conservative hardline stances lately. That's uh, remarkable. Walter Jones sounds big, like big time. He's a special guy. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's a cool shout out for Walter Jones. What's the one thing like? What's at number one on your agenda? Like, hey, there's if. We can't solve everything in a day. We're not going to wake up tomorrow in a world where animals are suffering, where it's all just over with. What's the one thing where it's like, this shit needs to stop? It's not right. I mean, that's a hard question. It's a good question, but it's a hard one because, you know, I mean, the, the scale of what's going on, as you know, is so enormous. It's, it's hard to wrap your mind around it. I mean, the, what's going on in the animal movement right now is that a lot of groups are focusing on, you know, just improving the welfare of, of farm animals, you know, making bigger cages and all that sort of Free thing. range the, stuff. The and... Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's, that, that's good work that should be done. It's not actually ending killing of any animals. It's just making them more comfortable. And that's a big debate in the community. I mean, I personally think that, you know, like what happens to veal is still the worst thing. That's the most unsettling thing that I think about. And, yeah, uh, veal was the first meat I stopped eating, and I don't even people who are eating veal. So. I don't even really know what the deal with veal is, but I just heard rumors, and I was like, veal was the first meat I cut out. Yeah, veal. They, they just uh, what is it? They just stand in a cage from the day they're born to keep their muscles soft. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the reason it's easy to cut out. And people cut out veal because it's easy to cut out veal. Like most people don't eat that much veal in the first place, you know. Um, but, you know, the thing about veal is, or the thing about the cows in general that a lot of people don't know is that cows have to be pregnant to give milk. It sounds super obvious, but a lot of people don't even think about that. So dairy cows are kept pregnant, you know, basically their entire lives, which isn't very long. And then if they give birth to, uh, you know, when they give birth to a calf, that calf often ends up, they take it away from the mother, like immediately, usually, and uh, then they put it in a crate where they can't move. And the reason they do that is because if the calf can't move, that makes the meat more tender, basically. So they, they make it anemic to give it the right color, and they don't let it move. And then they kill it, you know, shortly after that. Brutal. 
not cool. What's no, your biggest, not. what's the biggest victory? What's the biggest victory you've had as an activist? What's the thing that you look at where you're most proud of it? Well, actually, just today, I saw that the last medical school that was still using animals to train physicians stopped. Wow. And uh, 30 years ago, there, all of the all the medical schools used animals. They used dogs. Actually, they would, you know, kill dogs to train doctors. And then they switched to pigs because that was better PR. And uh, as of today, there are none still doing it. And you helped work on that. I, I did a little something on that. Well, don't be modest. <laughs> well, all of these things, you know, so many people work on them. It's, it's just silly to take credit. Yeah. But you did. You got in the trenches. You were part of it. That's something to be proud of. Yeah, I am proud of it. It's hard. You know, it's one of those things, you know, when you're an activist, it's hard to, and it's so important to celebrate your victories because that's what keeps you going. But it's hard to to do so when, you know, you're thinking about all the other things that need to be done still. Yeah. Look, we got about 10 minutes. We've got about 10 minutes. I've enjoyed this conversation. I don't know what uh, direction you want to take it for our last 10 minutes, but I'm all ears. Um, yeah, I don't know. Let me think for a second. What what would your perfect world be? Like, what's the perfect world in a perfect world for you? The perfect world, pure, pure hyperbole. Is everyone vegan? I think so. Yeah, I know there are some people who say that that is, uh, that that isn't like, you can't do that with the soil. That Some people say you have to have animals fertilizing the soil. I don't know if that's true or not, and part of me suspects that it isn't. Um, but if that's not the case, yeah, perfect world is we don't need animals at all. Definitely. Perfect world. All animals are safe, free from humanity's terror, and all humans are born at the age of 18. And childhood is not <laughs> included as part of the process. And there's no every, – every home improvement store is a small-scale uh, hardware store with a personal touch and great customer service. We live yeah, in a, that good. We want to live in a world where all animals are safe, all humans are adults, and Home Depots are not so confusing and anxiety-inducing. That sounds reasonable to me. <laughs> I think we can do that. Look at that. So says the vegan Uncle Buck. <laughs> Here's a question. I don't know if this is too personal. What if you and your wife had an accident? Yeah, we would. We would keep it. You would. Yeah, we would. Um, have you talked about that? We talked about that, and there, you know, there may have been a couple close calls uh, in the past. Ooh. You know, I mean, it's not like, it's not like, I feel like I'm giving off the impression that I hate children, and yeah. you know, like yes. that's not really yes. true. I just don't. I want to be clear. Yes, fact- you have given off that impression. Yes, yes, I want to just be clear. <laughs> Absolutely, yes, one hundred percent, yes. Uh, that wasn't what I intended to do, but maybe I revealed more than I know. Um, I, I think that I, uh, I think if we had a kid, everything would be fine. And there's part of me that thinks if we had a kid, it would be the best thing that ever happened to me because that's what people always say. Really? So you're saying, I mean, usually say, so you're not, you're not even convinced that it's not a good part of life. No, I mean, there's part of me that thinks I'm just resisting it because I'm scared because I don't want to change, you know? Yeah. I mean, there is a, there is on some level a thing of like, 
we are animals just like any other animal and you love animals you want to see other animals live and yet the human animal you're like mm, let's stop that in its tracks um stop the human animal in its tracks i mean i think we could definitely stand to downsize a little bit the human population yeah yeah i would agree with that can i ask are you guys uh, I, this could just be too personal if it is tell me fuck off but are you guys you got you on the birth control um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna not answer that because I don't think my wife would want me to get into that. Hey, fair. But I will say, I mean, no matter what birth control you use, you know, things still happen. Yeah, they do. Nothing's 100%. Because here's yeah. an odd conundrum is you're someone who's so thoughtful about the world, so thoughtful about good ways to live life, so thoughtful about like having ideals about the world, treating life in general a certain way that I bet a lot of people listening feel like you'd probably be a good dad. Probably better dad than a lot of people who want to be dads. That's nice to say. Uh, nice to for, to hear. It makes me think like, you know, um, okay, this, this is going to sound like an aside, but uh, there was a there was a period in my life where I really was kind of fixated on like odor and not smelling bad. Like I was always worried that I would smell bad, and I think as a result, I made so sure that I wouldn't smell bad that I never did. You know, so I was so worried about it that I, it was never a problem. And it's kind of the same thing with being a parent. Like I'm so fixated on bad parents and raising a good kid that I probably would raise a good kid. But, you know, the the reasons that I would raise a good one are the same reasons I don't want one. Wow. Tell you, out of the gate, that that, out of the gate, that analogy was very, very confusing. But by the end, I got on board. Thank you. Yeah, you really I'm moved glad. it around. Have you ever tried talking to a kid like they're not a kid? Have you ever had just like a conversation with a kid? Um, I have tried, yeah. Um, and it does not go well. They look at me like I'm weird. <laughs> what types of things are you talking about? I don't know. I mean, I don't think I'm, I'm doing it well. I just try to like, you know, ask them about their day, about things that they like, you know, normal stuff. But it just doesn't work for me for some reason. And what happens? They just stare at you in icy silence? Basically. And sometimes they will, like, run back to their parents. <laughs> so kids don't like you. They're not, they're not scrambling to hang out with you either. I think it's fairly mutual, yeah. <laughs> What's the... I mean, they said they must sense it, you know? You've had kids actually run to their parents when you try to speak to them. I, yeah, I mean, friends, like, their, their, their parents would be friends of mine. I'm not going up to strange kids on a playground trying to talk to them about the politics or something like that. No, no, that's not what I was implying. That's what okay. I was implying. You're not trolling playgrounds and telling kids about um, cage-free cage uh, cage no. farms. just to practice talking to kids, no. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You ever tried just keeping like candy in your pocket? Keeping candy in my pocket? Candy in your it was a joke. It was, it was a joke. <laughs> keeping candy in your pocket to make kids happy. No, you know what? Can I say something? Like that's not a crazy idea. Maybe I should give them candy. Like a friend a friend of mine has a kid. I should try giving them something that they like. A toy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's not, that's not so radical. You know what I do with my friends' kids sometimes, for my friends who I'm closer with? 
I try to give them pieces of pop culture from when I was a youth so that I will have mm. somebody to geek out about with it. Like my friend Michael, he has a son named Truman. I've known Truman since he was born. And I gave once gave Truman um, the entire DVD box set of the original Transformers animated series in the hope that Truman would someday talk to me about it and maybe invite me over and I could watch some cartoons from when I was a kid. Has that worked out so far? No, I think he's still a little too young. Like they're just a little too violent. Like the 80s standards of what was acceptable for kids to experience is so different than today's that I don't think uh, I don't think he's old enough yet to just watch robots violently kill each other. So I'm still waiting for him <laughs> to get there. Still waiting on that. All right. Well, that might pay off at some point. What was your favorite thing as a kid? Uh, when I was real little, I liked uh, the He-Man show. Yeah, He-Man was rad. Yeah, I was really into He-Man. Yeah. So there's a PC. Okay. There's a PC. So I can I can give a kid. I don't know. Is there a He-Man DVD box set? I doubt that there is. I'm sure everybody's in this, every everything's about nostalgia now. I'll look it up. No, I'm gonna look true. it up right now. Oh yeah. Look at, yeah, you got there's all of them. Did you get eight discs? Eight disc first season. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Eight discs. <laughs> you don't like that. Too much discs. Well, maybe too much money. Too much. It's 18 bucks, man, from Best Buy. I'm looking oh, okay. it up right, right. now. That's, That's a good deal, actually. <laughs> yeah, man. You, there are some elements of you interacting with kids where you have a real Uncle Scrooge presence, huh? Yeah, I mean, there's a little resentment there because they're they're taking my friends away from me, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're jealous. You're jealous of these kids, man. What are the things you used to be yeah, doing with your friends that were so great? Oh, nothing, man. But it's, I, I mean, we weren't doing anything particularly special. But you know, it's just hard to make time to even see them, really, and to have a conversation with them that isn't, you know, interrupted frequently. Yeah, I get it, man. Listen, we got a, a minute yeah. left. I'm gonna shut up. I'm. Uh, I've enjoyed this conversation greatly. This last minute, whatever you want to get out to the world, it's up to you. Oh, why do I want to get out to the world? Well, I mean, we talked about my actor's passion so much. Um, I want to tell people who are thinking about going vegetarian or thinking about going vegan to give it a try and not be hard on themselves if they make mistakes. It's not a purity test. And uh, that if they do it, they're not going to have their food limited. If they do it, they're actually going to get to experience new foods they never would have before. And they're going to be happier and healthier and they're going to save a lot of animal lives. And you spend, if I can and just be Chris. And it starts with Chris Gethard. Thank you. And you spend less time on the toilet. I can tell you that. There you go. Less time another, straining. Another benefit. Endless benefits. Less time straining. <laughs> this was a good talk, man. I hope you, I hope you don't regret uh, spending all this time on the phone. No, man. I really enjoyed it. Talking one-on-one to another adult, just like you like it. If I could do this forever, I'd be in good shape. I uh, I will wonder forever what happened to this anonymous caller, as uh, because I just the thing the ultimate question we'll never know about that guy. Does he is he gonna have a kid someday? We'll never know. It's beautiful anonymous. That's the hook, baby. We'll never know. If that guy had a kid, but if he did, it sounds like a caring dad would raise his kid right because he's trying to make the world a better place with his with all his time and all his energy. Callers, thank you. 
calling in caller, that caller in particular, all of our callers. Again, if you ever want to call in, you just follow me on Twitter. I tweet out the number when I'm in the studio. It's that simple. And you can have a conversation like the one we just had or totally different, whatever you want. Caller, thank you for calling. Thank you to John Delore. Thank you, Greta Cohn. Thank you, Shell Shag, for the intro music. If you want to know more about where I'll be, I do shows all over the country, all over the world, chrisgeth.com. And guess what, guys? I am super, super excited. My friend, Mike Berbiglia, who you probably know is a great comedian. Many of you probably heard him on This American Life at, at, at many times over the years. He directed a movie. It's called Don't Think Twice. He was uh, very, very kind. He put me in the movie. And it's, it's, I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud to be a part of it. And it's coming to theaters. Uh, July, July 22nd, it starts rolling out. Mid-August, it'll be all over the country. And I really hope you guys check it out because Berbiglia did something pretty special. And you'll see me um, acting, acting more than I've ever acted before. I don't just play a weird, creepy nerd. I'm actually trying to do some cool stuff. And uh, it's Gillian Jacobs, Keegan-Michael Key, Kate Micucci, Tammy Sager. So many good people. So many good people. I'm really proud to be in Mike Berbiglia's new movie, Don't Think Twice. And I hope you all go. Check it out, buy a ticket, enjoy it. I'll see you next week on Beautiful Anonymous. Hey, fans of beautiful stories from anonymous people. If you're looking for another podcast to listen to, I have got one for you. It's called Found. It's hosted and created by Davey Rothbart. You might remember from This American Life, contributes there. In this podcast, Davey solves the mysteries behind lost and found notes from across the globe. He tracks down the people who wrote them. He discovers super personal stories about love, loss, hope, and more. It's all based on his magazine, Found, which I have read for many, many years and which is so cool. New episodes drop every other Wednesday. Make sure you subscribe today to Found on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts or visit wondery.com slash found. That's W-O-N-D-E-R-Y dot com slash F-O-U-N-D. Next week on Beautiful Anonymous, we're, uh, we're going deep on politics for the first time. And uh, we're, going, we're going as deep as it gets. So we can do whatever you want. It's your hour. What do you think about Trump for president? How about that? Well, <laughs> let's see. I'm an artist who lives in New York City, so it's probably not so hard to guess that I'm pretty concerned about the Donald. <laughs> How about you? How do you feel about Trump? Actually, I like him. You do? I like this. <laughs> yes, I do. Trump seems like a guy that would have actively picked on me in high school. That's true. But you never know. Maybe he was one being picked on in school. I don't know. Sounds like he had a pretty nice, he had a pretty nice life from what, <laughs> what I've heard. Just because you have money doesn't mean everything. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous. Hello, hello. This is Nagin Farsad, the host of Fake the Nation, where we talk about politics, we talk about news, and we have a laugh. We were laughing. Every week, a cast of my funniest, smartest, and most politically astute friends, people like John Fugelsang, Liz Winstead, Dean Obidala, and others, tackle all the major issues like climate change. America leads the world in people who think climate change is fake but pro wrestling is real. Guns! I started calling the NRA the AK-47%. <laughs> Filibuster? I don't even know her! Okay, that's not a major issue, but it's a really great pun. Guys, there's gonna be insightful commentary, but also maybe some real great poop jokes. Thank the nation! Here. 
This has been an Earwolf production, executive produced by Scott Ackerman and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.com.